Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Saints Nation, stand up. It is good to be back. I am one of your co-hosts, Blake Rafino, and my good friend, T.C. Terrence Cop Copper, is with us. And we do have a special guest with us. Former Saints wide receiver Lance Moore. What's going on, Lance? Look, man, it took us a little bit to get on here. We're finally <laughs> on here, so let's get to it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Guys, we're great to be back. Thank you for your patience. Last week we were off uh, just due to some differences. Most of you know why I was out, but thank you for your prayers, concerns, thoughts, and everything. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Well, Lance, look, as a Louisiana guy and native, I got to admit, this is a little bit of a bucket list moment for me, having you on. Um, you guys in, in those seasons and you and Cop, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. And Look, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And shout out to our good partners at, over at BetOnline.ag for sponsoring all of this. Uh, Lance, TC, I got to ask you all a serious question, man. Mm-hmm. How awesome were those seasons with the Saints? Man, Lance, I, TC, <laughs> I was watching them highlights today lance the the green bay monday night football two touchdown game tc the atlanta hail mary i I mean look man it was an electric time to be alive and saints fans i just wanted y'all to share the stories like what are some of y'all's favorite moments as teammates and being part of new orleans lance we're gonna start with you lance i I mean for for me it's the fans i mean like there's no other NFL for sure, but I, I don't think there's any other fan base in sport that is anything like the Who That Nation. Um, it doesn't matter how great the team is doing. It doesn't matter where the team is playing, the support, the feel, the energy, the atmosphere. I mean, it's 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 like none other for sure. And, and um, you know, obviously we probably have a million different stories, but um, I just, I mean, it coming from you know playing there in a long time um the 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 thing that to me epitomizes that the most is every single time we played in atlanta like we go to atlanta and, and atlanta would end up being a home game for us <laughs> they might have a few more fans um but once we start whooping their butts the fans basically their fans are silent our fans are turned up in that thing and it's like it's it's really weird that you know you're playing there and and it really feels like a home game but it wasn't just limited to to atlanta that happened in a number of different places but um yeah i i think it's just that's what what makes i think is is how they travel how they are just they're so invested in every single game um and, and being in the media now i still see it it's it's obviously it's a different era now um different coaching staff and and obviously different players but um the Who That Nation is the same, baby. Like, they, they, they come and they show up every single week, and they always remain positive, with the, which is pretty cool for a fan base. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that sticks out to me the most is, is the Who That Nation. TC, I know I, I, that you echoed some of the same stuff, but yeah, add on exact that. same things. <laughs> the, so, for me, is like it's the people. I said this before. It's the people. That is what attracted me to – to come back and want to do the podcast for New Orleans, even though I played for Kansas City longer, but I just love New Orleans. I just love New Orleans. I love the people. And that, to me, that's what makes New Orleans. It's the people. Uh, it's a family environment. They 
they don't even feel like they don't treat you like players, they treat you like family. Uh, you know, so and then when you when you come back from games, you know, everybody's at the airport welcoming you back to the to the uh back to the city from games. So those are the things, man, that that you miss is of course, I mean, the game is the game, but it's the people of New Orleans uh and just the environment that you really miss. Guys, let me because for me, it's obviously different. Y'all laced it up. You laced up the cleats. You put on the pads and all that stuff. But, look, Sean's out and Drew's out. And the two guys that have been there the most, Pete Carmichael's obviously still there. But it kind of feels like, for me, an end of an era, right? And Sean's in the <laughs> – literally in the media. Is he going – you know, I saw NFL Network today. Is he going to Dallas? And I'm like, man, please, can we not start that right now? But for you guys to see and, and take a step back in the 5,000-foot view of Drew and Sean not being in New Orleans anymore, do you feel like the end of the era? And what will this legacy be with all of you guys that have came through New Orleans Super Bowl and all these great things and accomplishments? What do you guys want that legacy to be remembered for the most? Well, I mean, before you can talk about legacy, I think you have to talk about how blessed and how fortunate we all were. I mean, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, 15 years together there. Um, it's, it's you know, outside of Brady and Belichick, it's, it's kind of unheard of. It doesn't really happen that often. Obviously, Peyton Manning was, was in, in uh, Indy for a long time, but had a few different coaches. So, um, you know, we, we were blessed to have a first ballot Hall of Famer calling the plays for us and, and pulling the trigger, or excuse me, pulling the trigger back there. And an eventual Hall of Fame coach and Sean Payton calling the plays and getting us ready each and every week. Um, so, like, last year was an interesting year, I think, to, to work in local media in New Orleans because everybody's was just so curious about how good is the team going to be? How is Jameis Winston going to replace Drew Brees? Well, you can't replace Drew Brees. Like, that's just – you just can't do it. And, and when you try to do it in a single season, it usually – give you the result that you're hoping for. I think there was a lot of people that were surprised with how good the team played, especially after Jameis got hurt. I mean, to finish nine and eight in that season with that roster and that schedule with a backup quarterback and really not even a quarterback playing quarterback. I mean, it's, it's, it's a credit to Sean, obviously, for the culture he's created. But to your point, I think that that culture will remain. Obviously, Dennis Allen is not Sean Payton, but, but Dennis is coached with or under Sean for what is it 10 or 11 of the last 15 years. Right. So it's not, it's not like there's a completely different face. It's not like there's going to be a completely, you know, a, a huge culture change or they're trying to get rid of a bunch of guys so they can bring in their own, own guys. Like DA is basically inheriting a playoff roster. Like if, if you ask any analyst in the NFL, they'd be foolish if they didn't say, you know what, New Orleans is going to be a playoff team. They're going to be one of the seven best teams in the NFC this, this season. That, that to me is without a doubt. Now, where can they go from there? That's up to them. I, I think they've got the roster. I think they've got the quarterback. I think they've got the offensive line. They've got the talent and the skill. They've definitely got the defense, something that me and Cop can look back in our days early days in new orleans we ain't had that like we just did I, lo I love those guys i love those guys but our receiver coach cj curtis johnson would come in and say we gotta score 50. and that was like that was real like we just knew we had to outscore opponents but now but now they don't have to do that like look look at last season we didn't even we scored nine points against tampa bay and our and we won that game in tampa because our defense gave up zero like that was unheard of back when we were playing but but to have that defense coupled with 
the skill on offense, a quarterback that can make every throw, one of the most dynamic running backs in all the National Football League. And then you throw in the pieces that we have on special teams where we have a guy in Deontay Hardy that can return anything for a touchdown. Like, this team re- literally has it all. And, and I know there's going to be a ton of pressure on Jameis, but I think he's going to play free. I think he's going to continue to do what he did last year and take care of the football and take those chances when they're there. But we can't expect him to be perfect. But I, I, we, don't, we don't even need to expect him to be Drew Brees. He just has to be the best version of Jameis. And I think that the sky's the limit for this team. So, so Lance, I got something for you because Blake always asks me about this or people will chime in and they ask about it when it comes to Pete. They don't mm-hmm. think that Pete can call these plays. They feel like Pete might not be the guy to make these calls. To me, like I done told everybody, I told Blake, Pete been on a on a coach Peyton for how many years he was there? Forever. 16 years. He knows that offense like the back of his hand. If anybody knows and ready to step in, I feel like it's Pete that's ready to step in to run that offense. What do you think? I totally agree. And and you know what? I think this offense would have taken a step back had they hired a new offensive coordinator so you know obviously having to relearn a system or learn not even relearn learn a brand new system new terminology all those things that are go along with learning an offense they didn't have to do that they're running the same stuff i'm sure pete's going to have his own little wrinkles but i know that pete can call the plays because the only thousand year thousand yard season i had in my career he was calling the plays because sean was suspended so i definitely have faith in him being able to get the guys in the right positions, giving them opportunities to make plays. Um, and, you know, I, I, I definitely think that Sean is still going to be an ally. I think that Drew is still going to be an ally. So if he gets in a pinch during the week and is trying to figure something out, which I don't think he will, he's still got access to those guys if he needs a little bit of help. But I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that he's groomed for this. This isn't his first rodeo, right? He had the whole 2012 season to call the plays. We didn't have a great team, but we – we still racked up some points and some yards that year. And, and um, I, I think he's one of the, the smarter offensive coordinators that has never really gotten an opportunity to call plays because he's been there with Sean Payton. Uh, everybody firing your questions. I see that a lot of you are firing them in. Continue to fire him. We'll get him in just a minute. Uh, Lance and TC, I think to your point, um, something, and TC, we talked about this before. We kind of went on our little break from last week. Guys, I don't believe that the Saints are going to be dead last in passing this season. I, well, no. really and truthfully, they don't have a choice. Uh, God bless it if Alvin is out. You know, we'll wait and see how that goes. But Jameis was lighting it up. I mean, when you look at the efficiency stats of what he was doing, the worst game he had was against, technically, was the Washington Redskins when he four, threw four touchdowns but went 15 of 30. Lance, I agree with you, right? Like, he was doing some really good things, and I don't think if he stays healthy that the Saints are going to be last in passing efficiency or passing yards like they were a season ago. And look, even if you do or and are able to throw for 2,000 more yards in the season, I think you can win one or two more games, and then you're into the playoffs like you weren't a couple seasons ago. But let me ask you this. Well, before, before go ahead, you go, go ahead. Let's, let's address the elephant in the room, though. <laughs> let's – Okay, first of all, I, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. Mm-hmm. Not act like Jameis Winston was throwing to all pro wide receivers last year. Let's right. not act like yeah. let's Maybe. not act like Taysom Hill was throwing to all pro wide receivers and and watching those games up close and personal and breaking them down and analyzing them. There just wasn't the separation that's needed. 
Now, I understand that defenses are going to be able to play a little bit tighter or do a little bit different things to confuse a quarterback if you have a guy that's back there that's not used to being back there. I totally understand that. But let's not act like Michael Thomas was out there getting open all the time. Let's not act like we had Jarvis Landry on that team or Chris Olave or any of these other guys. Like, So people can say whatever they want about the Saints being last in passing yardage or whatever it might be, but I think – this year's version of the Saints is going to be a completely different cast of characters out there catching balls than it was last year. So, like, that that to me is is pertinent information for people to have because you, you can't fully describe what happened last season without putting that little disclaimer in there. Like, wait, 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 wait a minute. It wasn't really the varsity guys. Out. Now, right. so, some of those right. guys have had some success and made plays. Now, I'm not trying to minimize what – uh, Marquez Callaway can do and Traquan Smith and Deontay Hardy like those guys can make plays but I think that those guys are complimentary pieces you're missing your number one receiver right mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders left in free agency last year or he got cut and went somewhere else so you're missing your number two receiver as well so basically everybody has to bump up in the pecking order and I'm not saying that they weren't ready for it but I just think at this point in those guys careers they're more complimentary pieces which I think you'll see coming this season they'll be you know, in the four or three and four wide receiver sets. Whereas, I mean, we know that Michael Thomas, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the number one guy out there. And I'm sure he's going to be out for blood because everybody's been talking about the last two seasons. You know, and last time we saw him fully healthy, he was the offensive player of the year in the league. So I think he's going to be out, you know, out for blood and, and ready to like prove ever prove to everybody that he's back and he's that guy that he was a couple years ago. Jarvis Landry obviously playing at home. I, I mean, I've heard him say it's a dream come true. He's he's at home. And this is an opportunity with this team for him to get even further than he's ever gotten before. Well, and this goes to round, Jordan's first round, point. First round, wild card round of the playoffs. Oh, my, I'm sorry. But this You're is, good. Lance, to your point, Jordan brings up Jarvis and Olave additions, deep ball, lethal combos. Guys, let me twist his question and let the both of you answer it because you played that position. When you on paper see a guy like Chris Olave, what he did at Ohio State last year, when you see Jarvis Landry and you obviously know what you're going to get from a production standpoint in Mike Thomas, I, I mean, man, that's uh, as lethal as a three wide receiver combo that you can get in the league, literally. They're in the conversation of maybe the best trio, and they haven't taken a snap altogether on the same field in a real game. But when you guys see that and that being your position, what are y'all's thoughts when you see that holistically in the preseason? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, I think it's – obviously it's a depth situation, but it's also the versatility of that group. Mm. Like, Michael Thomas is the starting X receiver, which is usually the backside, weak side receiver. But mm-hmm. he also plays a lot inside, so he can play both. Chris Olave is a speed burner, which usually in our offense plays the Z. You know, because back in the day, cop could run a little bit. So, uh, so that that guy plays the Z. But Chris Olave at Ohio State also played in the slot, so he's going to be able to play a bu- you know do a bunch of the stuff on the inside as well. Then you throw in Jarvis Landry, who is one of the best slot receivers in the National Football League in a lot of years. I think he can do it all inside, but he can also bounce outside. So to have three guys that you can kind of move around and defenses can't get a beat on. They don't know what to do when this guy's in the slot and this guy's outside or these guys are stacked. They don't like there's going to be a, a, a real uh, versatile lineup with those guys out on the field. And 
I mean, you really cover all three levels with those with those guys. Obviously, Olave is going to be the burner, the, the top off of the defense guy. Jarvis and, and Mike T can be the short and the intermediate guys, but they can both go up top as well because they can run. I mean, it's 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 going to be tough for defenses to stop these guys. Um, and, and for me, it's it's that versatility that's going to make them so good. Three years and, and, ago, oh, go ahead. One, uh, and, one point to that, and TC, I want your opinion on this. Okay. The number one and number two receivers at yards after contact, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry. So to add that to you, TC, your thoughts on this trio? Uh, I think that all three of those guys are, like you said, are very versatile. But for me, it's not even about what they can do as receivers, as pass catchers. I think I said this before. If those three guys can block, that's going to open that offense up completely because now – you can be in 11 personnel or 20 personnel and still run the ball out of that set because you got receivers that can block these guys. And that's to me, that is the biggest thing we have to make sure we can do. We got to be able to run the ball because if you yeah. just dropping back, throwing the ball every single time, that's going to be tough on our offense. You know, so if those three guys, not just pass catchers, if they can actually get out there and block, Lance, you know, that was my thing, Lance. I, I was just going to say, you sound like a, you sound like the blocking receiver. <laughs> Hey, where's Kyle? Yeah. Yeah. But but if those guys can block, it's gonna open everything up for them. If they can block, the whole offense is gonna open up. Well, I, I think it's funny you say that because Lance literally the last show, TC's like, I go down there and I just block his ass off. You know, like I mean <laughs> it's so funny you say it like that because literally two weeks ago he was preaching, we gotta go down there and block, man. We gotta go down there and block. <laughs> Uh, we do have a question, though, from me for Ant Marshall uh, to you, Lance. He says, hashtag ask Lance, how did you decide what dance you were going to do after a TD? Uh, social media, YouTube, what, like kind of whatever, whatever people were into, I guess, at the time. Um, the few times that I scored, you know, a couple touchdowns in a game, I, I, I luckily I had a couple ready so I could just kind of do something. Um, but I, I honestly, like, just I, and I would practice. Like people are like, oh, you probably in the hotel room dancing in the mirror. I'm like, yeah. Like I, I'm not, I'm not about to, the first time I do a dance isn't about to be in front of thousands and thousands of people or potentially millions of people watching on TV. Like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not an idiot. Um, but yeah, like what, what I, for me, I, I just always wanted to have fun out there. Like mm. you work so hard, and cop can tell you, like there's so much that goes into playing in the National Football League. Obviously, the fans only get to see what happens on Sundays. Or now, nowadays, it's a little bit different. You get access to training camp with NFL Network and practices and interviews and all those types of things. But, I mean, it's, it's, you put so much time and effort in during the week, in your recovery, all those different things that lead up to the game. And for me, I was going to have fun out there, like, it, it, no matter what. Now, if we're getting our butts kicked, obviously, it wasn't quite as fun. But... So for me, I mean, obviously, Cop and I both played with Joe Horn, and I, I was a fan of Joe even before I got to New Orleans. All the guys that really danced, Ocho Cinco, Steve Smith, I mean, all those guys that were doing dances, I was like, I, I want to do that someday. And so I made sure that I was ready when I scored touchdowns. And, <laughs> and you know, luckily for me, I was able to score a bunch of them in my career. And, and it, it, it was kind of a way to connect with the fans, too, on a different level. Like, not a lot of guys were, were – um, you know, doing a different touchdown dance every time. But that was something that I was like, I'm going to do something different every time. I want to keep it fresh. I don't want people to know what's coming. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously known as 
as you know a, a touchdown dancer or mr this and that but um yeah it's just it's something something to keep it light out there and and, and have a little bit of extra fun out there in the moment we used to be up in college this is no lie and i played at southeastern louisiana and hammond and so we would we would play on a saturday and watch you guys on a sunday right so y'all get in the red zone okay and we have one of our buddies, Luis Salpavaro, who played tight end, slot receiver, big Saints fan. He'd always say, throw that shit to Lance. I want to see his ass dance. <laughs> 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 and he gets so pissed at Sean, too, when you, when you wouldn't catch the touchdown. That Monday night Green Bay game, if you remember, we didn't have, yep. you know, obviously Mondays are off, you know, during college. And he'd be like. Throw that bitch. Throw that bitch. And I'm just like, Luis, you got to calm down. We're about to get evicted in this thing. Lance is going to throw it. So I just thought it was always funny, you know, when you say it like that. But the impact that it has for guys like – and you talk about watching those other guys. And, and TC, you've, you've mentioned this before. But, like, us watching you guys and seeing uh, that always happen. And one more uh, in reference to the touchdown dances. Lance, I got to ask you. The biggest catch that most will remember, obviously, in that, that two-point conversion in the Super Bowl, man. I mean, it's mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Um, what went through your mind? And what were you thinking? And when you look back on it now and that the immaculate catch, as New Orleans likes to call it a lot of times, do you ever think about it? Like, what was going through your mind then? Take our listeners through that. I mean, in, in the moment, the only thing that was going through my mind was catch the ball. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and obviously when, when I catch the ball, it's like, okay, somehow I need to find the goal line so I can reach the ball over. And, I, and that was just, I mean, for me, it was just instinct. It wasn't, it wasn't anything other than that. It happened so fast. There's no time to really even think about it. Just having a little bit of a, a awareness of, of where my body is and where the ball needs to get to, I guess, in that split second. And that only comes with reps. Of, of having situations similar to that pop up in one way or another. And, and maybe not me falling on my head and having to reach backwards like that, but just, just having a body awareness of where I am and where I'm going. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess after the play, I was like, I know I caught it. Like what happened? Like, and so I went to the sideline and one of the first, I don't remember who it was that I saw first. And they were like, ah, oh, I thought you had, it. I'm like, Shit, so did I like, what, what happened? They're like, ah, oh, I think he kicked it out of your hand. I'm like, well, if he kicked it out of my hand, I'm already clearly across the goal line. That's got to be that's got to be a conversion. And I, as soon as I get over toward the bench, Sean is like, "Did you catch it?" And, you know, he's crazy. <laughs> he's crazy during the games. Like, you don't really want you don't want to be wrong in those moments for real, because then he's gonna have that like that scowl, and he's gonna be like, no, "Don't put it, don't put his ass back in the game." Um, but but so he's like, "Did you catch it?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then he walks away, and I'm like, "Yeah, I think so." You know, just kind of like under my under my breath because I really didn't know. Like I, I I felt like I caught it, but I wasn't sure that it would be overturned with with replay. And so he's like, "All right, I'm challenging it." And so obviously the whole time I'm a little bit nervous. Like, oh man, I I really hope we get this. You know, I, I want I would I would like to go back in the Super Bowl. Like I would, one I'd like to win the Super Bowl, and two I'd like to be able to go back and play a little bit in the Super Bowl. Uh, but thankfully for us, it worked out, and and um, the guy was a little bit slow to get there and, and ended up kicking it out of my hands. And um, yeah, I mean, if people are like, oh, nowadays that's not a catch. I'm like, well, why is it not a catch? If he kicks it out of my hand, like, I don't know. I mean, it, you, it's a touchdown once you cross the goal line, I believe. Um, it is. But I, I'm not playing these days, so I don't even really care. I don't, <laughs> you, know, you know what to add to Lance's story? I was home. I think I was watching that game. on. T- I was watching it on TV. And if it's not Lance, I'm not just saying it because he's in front of me. If it's not Lance making that catch, 
that's not a touchdown. Lance got the best body control out of any <laughs> receiver I've ever seen in my life. So if, if Lance is not catching that ball and reaching it over that way, another receiver couldn't do that. They don't have enough right. body control to do it. And Lance's body control is crazy. It's crazy out of this world. So if it wasn't for Lance catching that ball, you know, it probably wouldn't have got caught or scored. So yeah, well, yeah, but but look, it's 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 it was my fault that that catch was way harder than it should have been. Like, cop, you know the play, bunch yeah. bunch right, whatever, whatever. QA speed smash, like you know, yeah. it's the same. It's the same nowadays as it was back then. Mm-hmm. And I was I was too deep in my alignment, so I was I was back two yards almost from where Colston was, who mm-hmm. was on the line of scrimmage. I'm supposed to be like lined up on his feet. I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to be full yards behind him. So <laughs> as I'm breaking out, I'm sure Drew's like, oh, shoot, he's already out there. He tries to get the ball out there. So I'm I'm basically messing Drew up. It wasn't a bad ball by any means. I was lined up too deep. And had I been in my normal position, I probably would have been able to just catch the ball and walk into the end zone and then do a dance. Like, they robbed me. <laughs> of my, I robbed myself of, of dancing in the Super Bowl. But we danced plenty, uh, plenty of hours after the Super Bowl out there in South Beach. So I made up for it. <laughs> Did so was that something that you already knew after the play that you had lined up a little too far back or like I envisioned Drew and you watching film of the game like after and Drew be like Lance and y'all give each other the look you know like that's how I imagine it happened. Well, see, seeing the highlight millions of times after the game, I'm like, yeah, that's that's on me. But Drew and I have never even had that conversation because it worked out. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it and we. And, after those games, you don't you don't watch film after a Super Bowl. Like we, we, were, we were we got back we got back to New Orleans and our party hats were on. Like there was no there was no meeting with with film sessions or anything like that. Like so yeah, I mean I, I, that was definitely on me. You know I, I made it way harder than I should have. But then again, I wouldn't have been able to make uh, uh, that type of play in that type of moment or be remembered for that type of play if it just was a routine catch and run. Well, you you, you know it's interesting you. you you never really know what's going through someone's mind. Like we, I never knew that until you mentioned it, you know, like the, when, the, when, when your coaches say it's a game of inches, it literally is, you know, like run yeah. through the line. You guys, mm-hmm. we all play somewhat higher level of football, your strength coach yelling at your ass, run through the line. And, and Lance, when you say stories like that, it, it kind of makes me think about those days in the summer 110 degree heat index and running through the line and every inch always mattering. It's just so crazy. Uh, I asked TC this a couple of weeks ago, I believe, but what is some of y'all's craziest or fun or or best stories that you have in y'all's time in new Orleans or your time in new Orleans? I'm sure there's so many, but if there's some that you could share with our listeners. I mean, there's a lot that I can't share. <laughs> hey, 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 that is word for word, Lance, word for word. That's exactly what cop said. Word for word, three weeks ago to the day, cop said, well, shit, I can't say some of these on air, but I'm like, yeah. why the hell not? And then all of a sudden we hear about getting off a bus and the fan waving something at TC, you know, crazy. But some maybe that you can share. Um... Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like stuff that's appropriate and let me give you a level of where this show is already gone so tc <laughs> tc you want to tell the story lance 
I'm not going to tell your story. Go ahead and tell him. So you, it might, might make you feel better on the story you might be able to tell. Okay, so Lance, when I was in Kansas City, you know how we was in San Diego. You know how the bus driving up to the game and you driving up to the stadium and you got the fans out there tailgating. And so that's what it was. We driving through the parking lot, fans tailgating, yelling at us. And it was this old lady, this, this old lady about 60, 70 years old. She had a black trench coat on. And so she ran, <laughs> she ran up to the gate and she opened her trench coat up. And I'm looking, we looking like, yo, but this is what it was. She had a big old strap on, big old dildo on, and she just starts swinging it at us. Like, <laughs> oh man, Lance, was, she's seventy. Oh, she's <laughs> you say that, and I'm I, I live in San Diego, so she's probably still around. <laughs> My neck of the woods. Look, I know I know that there are crazy fans everywhere, but that's definitely a first. Like I, I've never heard of that one before. Like, crazy. Oh god. I mean, I, I've heard I've heard of I've heard of you know drunk people at basketball games oiling up dildos and throwing them out on the court and stuff like that. But I, I've never heard of anybody rocking a strap on and swinging that thing at that everybody. She had it on. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I don't think I have anything like that. I mean, uh, <laughs> so anything yeah. you say from now on is completely fair game. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh. Oh, I, I do have a crazy story, and I don't want to. I don't want to say his name, but it's fine. this is like to give people a little bit of perspective of how far this organization has come from my rookie year so we're talking 2005 so 17 years ago obviously we're in san antonio displaced by hurricane katrina and um i was on the practice squad back then and we had a i think we we're playing buffalo week four 2005 um and we we're playing buffalo and and one of our coaches at the time was from buffalo and had a bunch of buddies coming into town um you know to to visit and hang out and come to the game and you know, every week you have meetings the night before at the hotel. <clears throat> he shows up and he smells like booze, but you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches go to dinner and you know, they have a couple glasses of wine or cocktails or whatever. Um, so nobody really paid too much attention to him because he was still able to do his thing during meetings and talk to his players and all this. Um, fast forward next morning, it's a noon game, right? Central time zone, we're the early, on the early schedule, we're playing the bills and warm ups are going on and everybody's like, where's Bob? there um and then then the full team comes in so you're, you know we're talking 15 minutes before the game <clears throat> bob had just gotten there and the equipment managers had to take him into the equipment room to change him out of his clothes from the night before now and this is not a young coach this is not a 27 or 35 year old coach that by this time bob had to be in his 50s maybe even older like he was not a young guy he was not out partying and stayed out all night so they changed him up, we go out, we're playing the game, and this is first quarter, and I'm a rookie, right? I'm, I'm, I had been cut by the Browns as a free agent guy, just signed to the Saints that week. This is my first week with the Saints on the practice squad, and um, we're winning the game early, and the defense is on the field at one point, and I look back to the, to the uh, benches. <laughs> And Bob, no joke, I kid you not, Bob is laying down on the bench 
hugging his playbook like this with his <laughs> legs up on the top of the bench, like where the back where the backrest is, laying down during the during the game. Now the Alamo Dome, I don't think it's it holds as many as the Superdome, but there's sixty thousand people in there. Like there, it's not like it's 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 you, you can't take a nap in there. Dude was over there <laughs> snoozing, and I'm like. And like a couple other practice squad guys, I'm like, what? I'm like, Bob is sleeping. They're like, what? And so everybody's looking, and nobody really made a big deal out of it. Somebody obviously went over there and woke him up, but I just, I, I couldn't believe. But that was like, that was that was part of. I'm not saying that was the culture, but I, I'm just saying like, that was the type of season that we were having. Like, and, and it was early at that point. We ended up three and thirteen, and I mean, I think everybody knows like just just the difficulty that we had with being displaced and not really getting any help from the NFL, lack of facilities. I mean, all the things that could go wrong for a team. We had guys getting arrested like every week. We were we were literally the bad news bears. But for me, I was just like, I'm going to keep doing everything I can to stay here. Like, I, I this is this is my second chance, and I don't know if I'm going to get a third one. So I need to do everything that I can to make sure I'm not getting in trouble. I'm showing up on time, and I'm doing everything, everything that I can each and every day on that practice field so they keep me around. Um, but long story short, in the next next morning team meeting and coach has it was like ah oh, you know we had a we had a coach that was doing x y and z and he showed up late and he was snoozing on the sideline during the game and i'm gonna suspend him whatever however long he suspended him and he's like i want him to give you guys an apology and bob is up there crying and this is the hardest thing i've ever had to do and blah, blah 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 and i was thinking like this wasn't the hardest thing you had to do the hardest thing you had to do was get dressed before that game yesterday <laughs> Because he couldn't do it on his own, but man, like that was that was like that's just one of the many stories. Like I've got a lot of stories from that specific season, especially with Crazy Joe. I'll give another little quick one, real quick. Joe Horn, obviously everybody knows and loves Joe, one of the greatest receivers to ever do it, um, but obviously one of the biggest personalities to ever do it too. And I learned that quick. First day I get to New Orleans. I'm there bright and early. I'm in the receiver room. Coach is like, hey, you sit right here. And slowly but surely before the offensive or for the receiver meeting, um, all the guys start trickling in. We had Devery Henderson and Nate Poole and Dante Stallworth and LeVon Thomas. And then I'm sitting at this table by myself. And I'm like, I'm really, I'm just, I'm so green. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who else is coming in. I, I, I don't even really care. So Joe, at one point, you know, during the meeting, obviously he's late. So he walks in. And Jimmy's up on the board talking about whatever plays we're putting in this week. And this is my this is my very first day. Like I don't know anybody. I'm literally just sitting down. And Joe sits at the, at the table right next to me. Sits right next to me. And uh, Jimmy's you know on the board. And and Joe raises his hand. J- Jimmy turns around. He's like, Joe, what what man? You come in late in my meeting. What do what do you want? He said, uh, Jimmy. <laughs> talking about me. <laughs> I was like, oh man, oh man, this is about to be on me this this whole time. But those are like some of the like those are some of the stories like of of that year and that team and the comedy. Another story about Joe. One day he comes in late after practice for a meeting. Got a stack of cookies about this high, and um, just smacking. Like we're watching film and just smacking these cookies. And Jimmy's like, "All right, Joe, you show up late. Let me get one of your cookies." He's like, Hell no, nah, Jimmy. I'm not giving you any of my cookies. And he said, "Joe, don't do that to me. Don't don't be like that." Now he said, "Oh no, nah, Jimmy, you don't get any of my cookies. No, 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 you got any of that." And so Jimmy's like, all right, Joe, be like that. And Joe's like, yeah, I'm going to be like that. And so he, he goes back. He's talking about the play, blah, 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 blah. He said, hold on, Jimmy. And Jimmy's like, what, Joe? He's like, anybody else want a cookie? <laughs> and everybody, just, everybody just starts dying. 
but he used to he used to give Jimmy Robinson the blues, but it was always like in good fun. He would like and, and he helped like he really helped us like in a in a season that was so long and so tough. I mean, I wasn't even playing in those games and it was tough for me. But I can only imagine the guys that were, you know, putting it all on the line every Sunday and, and you know, coming up short. Um, but he really he really helped make it light. He was just a good dude. Like he was crazy, but he wanted the ball, which I mean, we all wanted the ball, but he 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 was like for me that year. I mean, he really helped me a whole lot both on and off the field and he helped take care, of, you know, things that I had going on. I mean, he he was awesome for me and and um really a, a really fun teammate to have and and really just, you know, I mean, he was crazy and um but but also, you know, he did it on the field too. So obviously the guys that are the great ones have a little bit more leash. Um, and he definitely was one that would, that would pull that thing about as far as he could take it. Probably like a cell phone. I digress though. <laughs> uh, hey, Lance, hey Lance, I got something for you. Cause I said this the other day, have you ever seen Joe get tired? I've never seen Joe get tired. Like we in practice, we had like 15 play plays, 15 drop, 15 plays on the practice sheet. And Joe would take all of them if the coach would let him. And he would not get tired. I've never seen Joe tired. Right. Never he also did he also didn't want anybody else getting reps. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, that was like I, I, 2005, same season. We're playing the New York Jets, Sunday night football. And Joe had Joe made a couple of plays in a row. And Jimmy tried to get him out to put Devery in for whatever the play was. And Joe looked at Devery and said, No. And Devery <laughs> stood stood behind the huddle and Joe put his back to him like this. And then Devery's trying to grab at him. And Joe said, No. And Devery had to run right back out. And Jimmy's on the sideline. Young man is getting mad. But like he, that was that was part of his competitiveness. Like he he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to get the reps. He wanted to make the plays. And I mean, shoot, I'm not mad at him. I, I just wish I had the, the balls to be able to do something like that myself. But I didn't. You know, it's so weird. You know, in 2006, Joe's holding his well then son, okay, JC. And to see that young man go to South Carolina, lock dude down, dudes down like at LSU and and really hold his on. It's crazy how this game of football works. Like I remember the picture, you know, even before Drew and his son and the iconic photo with the earmuffs and then but JC was the one for us. You know, like hey man, that dude's a first round corner. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's insane, man, to think what that family has produced in the NFL. Yeah, I mean it's pedigree. I mean, obviously he was he was basically groomed for this. Him and his brothers. I mean, I think either one or two of the other brothers have spent time in the NFL, which right. is, I mean, even more crazy that the dad obviously has had all pro type career, and then he's got sons that have played in the NFL. One that was a top ten pick. Um, yeah, I mean that's just that's just awesome, man. So let me ask you all this, uh, because both of you played for Sean, and this will kind of be getting back to the field, and this will be my last one about Sean, but <laughs> CC knows what I'm probably going to ask you. Uh, Lance, how, how often do you follow this thing with Sean and, and his name constantly coming up in this co coaching rumor, that coaching rumor? Today on NFL Network, it was nothing but the Dallas Cowboys again. Um, what do you make of all this? And, and TC, to you too, I mean – it's kind of, I know we're in the dead season, you know, of football, and you, there's not a lot to talk about, but what are y'all's thoughts when y'all hear that? I honestly don't pay too much attention to it. Like, if there's something on Twitter that I see, I mean, I kind of, um, I might read it. Um, but Sean is a hot commodity. I mean, that, that's the reality of it. I mean, he's a coach that is a proven guy. 
Um, he, he understands the game. He understands how to be a head coach in this league. And obviously his offense is one of the best that we've seen in the National Football League. So I, I understand why he gets rumor mill rolling over him 24-7 because I'm sure there's more than half the National Football League that would love to have the, have him as, as their head coach. Um, so I, I understand it. Um, I don't put too much time into it. I don't think he would have taken a break to try to force his hand to get somewhere else this season. Um, I, I think he'll take a year off, maybe two years off, um, and kind of figure things out from there. I mean, I think he just needed a break. And, and you know, Sean is a, is a unique bird um, personality-wise, and he is a, a, um, as, as workaholic as they come, um, a, a guy that spends an inordinate amount of, of hours at the facility talking ball, looking at uh, film, studying players and tendencies, studying other offenses, trying to come up with new and innovative things to do offensively. I mean, he, he is very, very uh, uh, obsessive about football and offense. And, you know, for a head coach, there's a lot more responsibility than people understand. I mean, you are the CEO of now 90 guys, um, and you've got to make sure that everybody is operating in the right manner. You've got to keep tabs on guys. You've got to make sure that your coaches are doing the right things and, and you know, obviously consistently trying to get better. I mean, it's, it's more than just calling the plays on Sunday. I mean, he had a whole lot on his plate, um, especially in New Orleans where Mickey Loomis is, is, I would say, a little more hands-off than some of the GMs in the National Football League and allows Sean to really make stuff happen there. Um, I'm not saying Sean is, is yaying or naying all the plays or he was doing or all the players. Um, but I, I, I guarantee you he had a hand in a lot of the selection process that was going on. And, um, you know, who wouldn't want their coach to be one of the main guys that's pulling the trigger as far as who's going to be in his locker room or who's going to be running his offense out there. Um, so I, I, I get it. Look, I, I, I understand that he's walking away from a lot of money, but when he, if, and when the time comes again for him to be ready, he's going to get even more money. So, um, you know, I think he just needed a break, a refresher. I would love to have him back in New Orleans, but I think that ship has kind of sailed. And I think DA is the right guy. I mean, I, I really do. It's, it's funny. Um, I'm sure cop is, is on board with me. Like back in 06, DA was the assistant D line coach. Mm -hmm. like, right. I would have yeah. never thought, I would have never thought that he would have been a head coach, let alone a head coach right after Sean in, in New Orleans. So right. he's obviously come a long ways. Um, he's grown, he's, he's, he's learned. Um, he was a head coach before, which I think is going to be so beneficial for him the second time around. And again, usually when a coach becomes a head coach after a, 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 another coach leaves, it's because he gets fired. And they usually get fired because the team stinks. Well, that's not the situation with this team. This team had a pretty good season last year, obviously not to our standard, but a winning record. Um, and the coach just happened to get exhausted and wanted to take time off. So he inherits a roster that's playoff ready. So it's a completely different situation than most coaches that are going to be new head coaches this year that are basically taking on teams that stunk last year. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly do believe in this team and I, and I believe in this coaching staff. Um, and, I, and I honestly think that the sky's the limit. I think the NFC is up for grabs for sure. The AFC is going to be, a, I think, going to be a, a lot highly or a lot more highly contested than the NFC is. I think the NFC is about a two, three, maybe four team race to, to the Super Bowl. And, and I think that we fit right into that mix. TC? Man, look, he done hit everything on the head. 
Like I can't. Even, <laughs> there's nothing else to say behind it. Everything he said, he's he's correct about it. Especially with with Coach Payton, with the fact that, you know, I think he just needed some time off because it's a grind, and a lot of people don't understand that grind when you're in the NFL as a coach or a player. But even as coaches, they get there what about five o'clock in the morning. Sometimes they don't get home to about eleven o'clock at night. So it is a steady grind, and you know, I just and, like and, and and they don't have the type of off season that the players have. Right, like the, the season is over. They have to do reports on all the players. They have to get ready for free agency. They have to get ready for the draft. They have to do the game planning for their OTAs and the mini camp and stuff like. It, like we get a break. We get to leave after the season and take time yep. off, and then we come back when it's OTA time. But like they don't get that. And even now, mini camp mini camp happened last week. Those coaches aren't going on vacation for the next six weeks. They might get one, two weeks off, and they're right back in there on the grind again, getting ready for training camp. So it's like mm-hmm. I, I totally understand. And that's that's one of the main reasons for me why I didn't want to go into coaching. Like I don't want to spend I don't want to spend more time in football coaching than when I was playing. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Like I, I got a young family, I got young kids. Like, I'm not trying to do that. Like, that's just that's I, I'm good. Now it's some people can. And, and they work that out with their families or some guys just don't have families and they go right into that. But it just it just wasn't for me. Well, well, you know, on my end, I got a son in college. My daughter just graduated and my daughter, my youngest son, he just started high school. So I'm looking to get into coaching. So, there you go. So, well, it's, it's the perfect it's the perfect time. But you didn't do the perfect it right time. Now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like perfect the, time. Uh, Lance, you talked about Dennis Allen. And it's that uh, I remember the photo uh, after the Pelicans playoff game, right? And they showed Dennis Allen and Sean Payton sitting next to each other. And then uh, I forget whoever it was took the photo of Dennis Allen and he's sitting in the Saints film room, right? And just sitting there and he's just watching. He's just watching. He was wearing the same clothes from the playoff game less than eight hours ago. So in semblance showing, like, he didn't go home. He walked across the street, right? And – when you go eight and twenty-eight, and you have something that you have to prove, look that we saw it in Tampa. I mean, that was his audition, okay? And he blanked Tom Brady, the goat, which some will argue is the greatest of all time, quarterback-wise. And I was kind of sold on Dennis then, if I'm being honest. You know, like, hey man, not only did you blank Tom Brady, but you blanked him on the road, and mm-hmm. in a short week, you're coming off a Monday night game. I think what was it the um, the week before was Miami, remember, when Ian Book had a start and all that. I mean, just crazy week, and he was able to prevail through that. So, I bring part. Lance, at least for me, brother, one more, and I'll get you out of here. Uh, obviously, everybody remembers the Super Bowl, and everybody remembers all the great stuff that uh, you guys did when you were in New Orleans. Is there one memory on the field outside of the Super Bowl, however, that you remember the most? Yeah. Easy. Uh, the the Kia Peel touchdown celebration. <laughs> that that I mean, I, I, obviously I played eleven years and you know won a lot of games, lost a lot of games, scored a lot of touchdowns. Was fortunate enough to catch a lot of balls from some from, from some great quarterbacks. I think the three guys that I caught passes from the most. I think Drew, Big Ben, and Stafford will all end up being Hall of Fame guys. I I, I understand how fortunate I was to be you know in in, in huddles with those guys. Um, but yeah, the 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 Kim Peel touchdown celebration because it it was such a big deal. Then I was the first one to do the three pumps, uh, you know, and and it's it's right. it's it's crazy too because that was around the time obviously they were so big, and 
Kenny Stills and I and all the other receivers in the locker room would talk about, man, one of these days, like we need to do, you know, we need to do that. We need to do the three pumps. We need to do the three pumps. But we never, ever planned it. So when it happened in that game, that Tampa game, which was the last game of the season, 2013, catch a long touchdown. I just turn around, not thinking that Kenny was going to be anywhere near me. Wasn't I, I was going to do the three pumps no matter what. But as soon as I turn around with the hands on the back of my head, he's right there. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> so we, we do, I do the three pumps. He throws his towel flag. Then we get the penalty flag. We come over to the sideline. Everybody's booing. Sean is bitching us out because we, you know, we got a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike because obviously back then it was still the no fun league and we couldn't celebrate together and we couldn't use props. So this happens. Then literally like the next day, Monday morning, Jordan Peele, or maybe it was Monday or Tuesday, Jordan Peele had a T-shirt with me like this and Kenny Stills like this counting my pumps that he posted on social media. He was wearing it. I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. So obviously like it, you know, do all this stuff that, you know, try to get his attention on social media. And my buddy's like, hey, I'm, I'm friends with one of the producers of the Ken Peele show. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hit him up. Like, see if I can, you know, go to L.A. and meet the guys. It'd be super cool. And he was like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to better that. I'm going to see if I can get you on the show. I said, shoot, even better. Like, I want to do so, I want to do a little bit of acting anyway. So <laughs> calls me like a couple of days later. Hey, they're going to put you in an episode. It's going to be they're going to be shooting the whole the whole final season. This next, uh, you know, this next cycle or whatever. You'll fly out to L.A. And I was dating my wife back then who lived in San Diego. I was like, easy. I'll be in San Diego most of the summer anyway. I'll shoot up to L.A. We'll do whatever. So the day before we were going to shoot, his buddy, who's the producer, was like, man, we have Lance in this sketch, and he's kind of just an extra in the background. And, like, you know, would he like a, would he like a sketch with some lines? And my boy's like, hell, he's speaking for me. He's like, hell yeah, like, give, give me some lines. And so he hits me up, like, we're going to try to get you a sketch with some lines. And I'm like, I'm like, hold on, I'm going to get the lines the day before I'm shooting? And he's like, he's like, yeah, bro, you can handle it. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, bro, you realize, like, I've just been in little – little uh low budget commercials like i ain't never been on on a, on a tv a sketch comedy tv show like i kind of need some practice and so he ends up getting me in this sketch gives me my lines and obviously i'm super nervous i can play football in front of millions of people and be straight but being in front of these two comedy icons i just i like i i, I was i was so nervous and but when i met from the moment i met them they were so cool and so like just 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 like hey you need anything let us know if you need anything we got your back you know we'll help you through everything um and from that point on i was like okay i i think i have a chance um but the most scary moment was when we had to do a read like obviously i, I hadn't been with these guys i haven't been able to rehearse and so right before we we're going to go shoot uh, uh jordan peele's like hey everybody off this van everybody gets off the van we get in a circle we have our script and my hands are like this like i, I couldn't stop shaking i was like oh man here we go and so they just start going boom right off the top of their head they're doing everybody's going back and forth and then i say my first line and jordan peele's like hold up <laughs> silent and i'm like oh no they're gonna kick me off of this sketch and he goes thank god lance moore can act and i was like oh like a weight was just lifted off of my shoulders. And I was like, man, this is, that's all I needed to hear. And then for the rest of the day, I was just, I was on point. I was getting better as the day was going on. And, um, you know, yeah. I, and I'm still getting paid from, from SAG from, from that show. So it's pretty, it's pretty freaking cool. Just the one sketch that I was on. Um, but to, to be a part of that, man, was awesome. And that's why 
that moment for me is like one of the biggest and one of the coolest moments. Man, that's got to be insane. I mean, the, the craziest part about your whole story, at least to me, obviously it's going to be about money. Bro, how long is it? And you still getting a check in the mail? You know what I mean? Like how <laughs> yeah. long ago? I mean, it's at the royalties. I'm, 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 I'm a part of SAG. So I got, <laughs> I got, I have my SAG card and any other time that I do things that, that are involved with SAG, I get my check mailed to me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting paid millions of dollars for being right. in one sketch, but, but I am, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I would, I, I would have paid to go on that show. Like I, I they right. didn't have to pay me, but, but I got paid for that day. And then I, and then I, you know, I'm getting royalties as a result of being on that show. Um, but to your point though, I like coming from where I came from, man, like my, my life has been awesome. Uh, I've been blessed. I, I've been able to do things and go places and, and, um, shoot, man, without football, I don't know where the heck I am these days, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, I don't ever take it for granted. I, I understand how fortunate I've been. And, and I know that I owe just about everything I have to, to the game of football. So this Man. has been go TC, go TC. Go, yeah, I was just going to kind of ask Lance, what he got, what is he doing now? I know the people want to hear what's going on with you now, what you have going on. Yeah. So during the season, I work for WDSU, which is the NBC station in New Orleans. Um, I'm, I'm part of the Saints on Six uh, group with with uh, Coach Jim Mora, Travers Mackle, excuse me, Fletcher Mackle, sometimes Travers and uh, Sharif Ishak. You, you get the uh, we hair the mixed up, right? The, the Mackles. Look, when I see him in media, I'm like, bro, one of you got to part your hairs a different way, bro. <laughs> I mean, well, well luck, luckily, Tra Travers has his hair a little bit longer than Fletcher these days, so I, <laughs> right. I can. I can understand which one is which, which one is which, but but so so I do that during the season. We do the live pre and post game shows, and then obviously I do a, a weekly spot via Zoom with them, um, and along with other a few other media things on the side. Uh, as soon as the season is over, I work for Exos, which is a performance facility out here in San Diego. I am their combine wide receiver coach, so I have um, you know a couple of guys each um, off season, I guess you could say, leading up to the combine that are working towards the draft. Um, a couple of years ago, I had Kadarius Tony, who was a first-round pick. This year, I had four guys. Um, three of my guys ended up getting drafted, uh, uh, and I like to tell people that I can't take any credit for that. I just try to help tighten them up a little bit before it's time for them to go and show out. You know, um, I do that, and then I'm also an influencer on social media with my wife, and uh, it's fun. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to be kind of what it is, but. Uh, companies and brands are reaching out for us to be ambassadors or to do deals with them. And um, it's paid for a bunch of house renovations and other things for the kids. And so it's it's a cool little thing for us to do together and, and really just make some free, easy money. Um, TC, I love you. I'm going into the acting business. For real? <laughs> Look, I need to go too. <laughs> I mean, I love you to death, but this shit's for the birds, if you ask me. For real. <laughs> anyway. And look, and not, not just not just to say it because you're in front of us, Lance, and, and we're good friends, but you definitely, of course, we got to give a shout out to Devery and Fast Freddy. They just got inducted to the Saints Hall of Fame. That's right. Yes, uh, sir. You should be the next one in there. And I'm not just saying it because well – I, I went in before all of them. I, oh, I, went sure. in, I didn't I, even know you was in. Yeah, yeah I, I went in the Saints Hall of Fame in 2018. Me and Pierre. There we go. Yeah. yeah. You should definitely I think, be in I think there. It's, I think it's because uh, they have, like, a certain amount of years that you can be out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, they – I had been five years removed from my time with the Saints. And then, you know, obviously Colston was – had a better mm -hmm. career than me, but, but was there a year <laughs> longer. So he ended up going – him and Reggie went the year after me. 
Um, and then um, Jari, I think, and Roman went yep. the year after yep. that. Um, I'm surprised they waited so long for Devery, but I'm, I'm happy that he got Me in too. and happy he for Fast Freddy because, because <laughs> you know, these are guys that are, that are you know, integral parts to, to, to what New Orleans was and became. So That's right. Um, it's know, funny that Devery's story, if you listen to the opening interview, they were like, well, it should have been sooner. But Devery said, every time we pick up the phone and ask him to come join us, he says, I'm out here fishing. So I'll call you back in a minute. <laughs> yep. Oh. Seriously. But- De- Devery is the worst, man, when it comes to, you know, being on point with texting people back or calling people back. He just kind of gets to you when he gets to you. And yep. he's just he's just not bothered by too much. And I mean, that was that was like that's kind of how he's always been. And so that's that's why even nowadays, if I text him and he'll text me back like three months later, I don't trick. <laughs> I just, he's not he's not doing it maliciously. He, that's just how Devery oh. is. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, it's like uh, the bluegrass miracle, the catch that he had for LSU against Kentucky. And I'll never forget this, and Pooh Bear, our producer, probably remembers this. Jim Hawthorne or whoever it was goes up to to Devery, and they said, what do you – you just called a Hail Mary, craziest play we've ever seen. What do you think? He looks in the camera, dead ass. He goes, thanks. And he, like, walks <laughs> off. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I'm like, dog, what the fuck? I, I mean, thanks. And that old Cajun accent, you know, like, you know, man, God, just so perfect. But I, congratulations to him, too, man. That Man, that wide receiver core y'all have had in New Orleans is insane, bro. I, I mean, just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Anyway. All right, guys. I, but look, I, I, ahead, I think we ahead. were so – I think we were so good because – we all just wanted everybody else to be successful. Yep. And that's like, that's, that's not, I don't feel like that's super common that everybody was everybody else's biggest cheerleader. Everybody wanted everybody else to go out there and be successful when they eat. Cause we felt like if, if cop was balling, we're all balling. If Colson is balling, we're all balling. Right. Devery and me and like everybody that, that was to me, that yep. was one of the important parts of our, our group. Lance very quickly, but Sean and cop, I want you to get in on this too. The rotations that Sean would do. The last question for me, though. You know, like, it was a big thing, at least from a fan's perspective or someone that broke the game down. Even in the later part of Sean, you know, last year, they talked about a lot. The different packages that Sean had. I I mean, to know all of that from a personnel standpoint. I mean, how much do you have to really learn in the offseason? This package means this. This call means this. Or was it more simplistic than than what it looks like from someone on the outside, if that if that makes any kind of sense, like the different formations, packages that you guys had in New Orleans. Well, I, I, th- I think most of Sean's offense is, is concept-based. So if you understand what the concept is, everything else is, is pretty simple. What I mean by concept? The concept is what, what routes go together on this play. Those are, those are the concepts. It's really easy once you understand the concepts because – the personnel groupings are changing just about every play, which means there's mm-hmm. going to be different characters on the field. Not only do the personnel groupings change, but those personnel groupings have tags to them, which would put me at the Z and put Cop at the F and put Colson at the X, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we are okay with that because we know the formations and then we know the concepts. 
So as long as you know that, I mean, we had a bunch of guys that knew a lot of different positions. That that yeah. really is what helped us as well. And, and I know Cop was one of those guys that kind of had to get in and just learn everything, kind of similar to me. Like, you have to know everything. Um, and if you have multiple guys that know everything, it really makes it simple because we all understand the concepts. You know, that that to me is what what simplifies it for guys that have played enough ball to be able to break it down that way. I think the the funniest part about that was Drew talking about the mistake in Seattle. I think the the playoff game that, that the Saints won, I think it was Marcus Colson's last year and he was lined up in the F and he wasn't supposed to, but there was two there wasn't enough time on the clock on the play clock left and they only had one timeout. And Drew just said, F it. <laughs> Colson's <laughs> down there somewhere. I'm going to throw it. Touchdown, ball game. It's like he said the one mistake that he remembers Marcus making, like vividly on a formation or, or packaging, was that one. He's like, shit, he's going to be down there somewhere. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it. Those are the stories that I think everybody likes to hear. Lance is, cop, Lance is down there somewhere. I'm just going to throw it. Yeah. You got I mean, it. Sometimes you just have to make. Something happened, and that—that's that, definitely one of those moments. Well, I'll never forget. We were on the because we have the LSU podcast show, whatever, too. And Joe against Joe Burrow against Oklahoma when Jefferson had the four touchdowns. He literally comes off to the sidelines, and we're sitting there. I was like, I'm going to try to listen to what he said. He walks over, and God forgive me, XM, we love you. He said, "Fuck it, Jamar Chase is down there somewhere." <laughs> you know, it just like, look, man. I mean, and that's how I felt about. Like, you could tell Drew was kind of like the wide. See, you guys didn't see the TV copies like we did, right? When Drew's right. a wide-eyed, he's and you and you can read the lips like, what just happened? <laughs> you know, like, well, how did that just work? But anyway, all right, Lance, man, from me, from everybody here, thank you so much for joining us. As our first official guest, you've been fantastic, man. Thank you so much for, for joining us here tonight. Thank you, guys, man. Awesome. Let me know. We can do it again. Hey, man. Definitely. Don't don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. Just got to make sure we know which one's Fletcher and, and, and <laughs> with the air. That's swing. right. Next time we'll be all right. All right, guys. My name is Blake Rafino. TC has been with us, and Lance Moore has been our guest. We'll see you guys again soon. Y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.